Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Will you please remain standing for the reading of the word. Today's passage is from the book of Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels are with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by, the fa- by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick. And you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whenever you did it for one of these least of my brothers, of mine, you did it unto me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. So a couple was driving to Florida for vacation, and they turned around, and they kept seeing these billboards, and the billboard said, Alligator Farm, and you could possibly win a million dollars. Well, they saw multiples of these billboards, and finally they got to a location where the billboard said to go. They got out, and there were a whole bunch of people trying to find out how to get this million dollars. The owner of the alligator farm said, all you need to do is come out with me on this, on this bridge, out to the dock in the center, and we'll feed some alligators. And if you are brave enough to jump in the water and swim to the shore without getting eaten alive, I'll give you a million dollars. Well, within a few seconds, he heard splash! And arms flanking, he makes, this guy makes it to the other end of the, of the uh, shore, gets out unharmed. I mean, just huffing and puffing. <clears throat> he said, we have never seen anyone dumb enough to do that. What made you do it? The guy who was just trying to catch his breath said three words. Wife pushed me. <laughs> when Aaron asked me to share my faith journey, and I started to prepare several weeks ago, and I wavered back and forth as to what would make sense. I hoped what I'm sharing will be interesting and helpful as you walk and as I walk through our life together. And hopefully there'll be one or two nuggets that you'll be able to pick up from the message I'm about to share with you. Would you please bow your heads as we go to the Lord in prayer. Holy Father, thank you for this opportunity to come here today to worship and to glorify your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity just to praise you and to glorify you. We thank you for the music today and for the prayers that we've already heard. Lord Father, I ask you to be with me. May I be an instrument 
sharing with everyone the word of God that you have placed in my heart. In Christ's most precious name, we pray and everyone agreed by saying, amen. When it comes to life, there are always extremes. We have one extreme on the one side, we have another extreme on the other. This is 100% gung-ho, I'm going to do it. This side is 100%. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm not going to do anything about it. We take a look at the life of the Apostle Peter, and Peter is an example of these. The first example is Christ said to the apostles, Who do people say that I am? They responded, Some say you are John the Baptist. Others say you are Elijah or a prophet of old. He then asked them, But who do you say that I am? Without hesitation, in a minute, a few seconds, Peter jumps up and says, You are the Lord, the Son of the living God. Peter, on this extreme. Later in the gospel story, after feeding 5,000, if you remember, Christ stayed on the shoreline while the apostles got on a boat and went out to sea. In the middle of the night, there was a big storm, and they saw this ghost coming from the sea, and they turned around and yelled out because they were fearful. And Jesus said, basically, it is I. Peter said, if it is you, Lord, tell me to come to you. Peter, on this side, gets out, and he starts to walk on water towards Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. A third time, at the Passover meal, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says to them, all of you will deny me tonight. And what does Peter do? Immediately, he says, not I, Lord, all may deny you but I will never deny you. I hope to be as sure in my life as Peter telling the world that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I personally want to be as brave like Peter and step out of the boat, keeping my eyes fixed on Christ, walking on water. I want to be bold like Peter, never denying Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Each of us on our journey in life there was a starting point, the day when we were conceived, and then nine months later, we joined the world as one of God's favorite sons or daughters. At some point, there will be a day when you will inhale that last breath this side of eternity. And as you exhale that breath, you will smell smells that you've never smelled before. You will hear songs of praise and worship that you've never heard before. You will see colors of the rainbow that you never could imagine. Family and friends that have gone before you will be waiting there with great anticipation for you to join them in all eternity. There also will be Jesus Christ standing with his arms wide open saying, Welcome, good and faithful servant. However, at some point, I believe Christ will ask each of us a few simple questions. When I was hungry... When I was thirsty, when I was lonely, when I was naked, when I was sick, when I was in prison, how did you respond? For those of you who do not know me, as Pastor Aaron would say, don't know my whole story, I'm going to share with you a brief overview of my life. I was born into a Roman Catholic family back when Latin was the language of mass. Fortunately for me, the Second Vatican Council happened, and it took place before I had to learn Latin as an altar boy. 
I have enough troubles, as many of you know, just speaking English. I was baptized within a few days of being born. I received my first Holy Communion on Mother's Day as a second grader. Four years later, on a Sunday in May, I was confirmed in the Roman Catholic Church, making my public profession of faith before the bishop, priests, and family members. One of the practices in Catholicism is for each person being confirmed to study the life of a saint that they would like to emulate throughout life. I chose John the Baptist. I like the clothes he wore, and I like what he ate, the honey and locusts. To me, that sounded pretty cool as a sixth grader. The real reason why I chose John the Baptist as my patron saint, though, was twofold. First, my first name is Joseph. I was named after my mother's father. My middle name is David, which is my dad's uh, father's name, and John was my father's name. So technically, in the Catholic Church, I'm called Joseph David John Nelson, and I added the first. The other reason why I wanted to be John, named after John the Baptist was because I liked the life of what I read of John the Baptist. John makes a statement in Scripture that is so powerful in my life, so powerful, and it needs to be part of my life. I must diminish, and Christ must, must increase. And I wanted to live my life that way as a sixth grader. That summer, I went to summer camp for, what, uh, for wannabe priests. And during that camp, I learned one scripture passage that I wanted to follow and began praying what we call an either-or prayer for the next many years. The prayer, <clears throat> I began praying to Mary, the mother of God. Remember, as a Catholic, praying to Mary and praying to saints is not an issue. As we know, or as I began to study more as a Protestant and learn more about the lives of John Wesley, George Whitfield, John Newton, Martin Luther, and Billy Graham, and other men and women of faith, I no longer pray to Mary or to the saints, but to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The change happened as I studied Scripture because I found nowhere in Scripture where it says to pray to anyone except to the Godhead. But back to age 12, my either-or prayer that I offered up at that time was this. First, I said, God, if you want me to be a priest, I will be happy to become a priest in the Roman Catholic Church, and I will have Mary, the mother of God, as my spiritual wife throughout life. But, here's the or part, or part, if you do not want me to be a priest, Mary, I ask you to help me to find the woman that God wants me to be with in my earthly life and throughout eternity. The scripture passage uh, that I wanted to be able to answer Christ by saying yes to was that Matthew 25, 31 through 40. I wanted to live my life so that when on judgment day, the when questions are asked, there would be proof that I had fed, clothed, quenched the thirst of others, and visited those who were shut in and in prison. That may sound like a worse work-based theology, but as the book of James points out in chapter 2, verse 7, even so faith, if it has no works, is dead in itself. To me then and now, works is how I show my love to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In my early 20s, I joined the Glenmary Home Missioners, and I began my seminary journey. The first six months were uh, spent in a place called Big Stone Gap, Virginia, as a missionary 
for the Glenmarys. They serve the poorest of the poor in Virginia. In Virginia, I learned how to drink coffee the real way. They had a big pot that they put on the stove. They'd throw water in there one day, normally on Monday, and kept adding grounds and then just kept boiling the coffee. You talk about strong coffee. I don't think the military has anything on it. Uh, at the end of the six months, I entered the University of Dayton and began my academic pursuit to become a Roman Catholic priest. I made it one whole semester in the seminary, then I was asked to leave. I didn't quite fit the mold of a Glenmary home missioner. I eventually moved back to Oklahoma City and started my career in sales. From 1981 to 1985, I dated a number of women, asked several of them to marry me. One or two actually accepted for a short term, but it never lasted. I constantly prayed nightly to marry the mother of God, to put me in play, in, in the, with the woman that God wanted me to spend my life with. Well, in 1985, I received the dreaded spam call. This one came in from the buyer's guide. You might say the rest is history. Carolyn, soon to be Nelson, spammed me. Actually, she was working for the Oklahoma City Buyer's Guide uh, selling ad space. I was the Oklahoma City manager for J Truck Driver Train Center. She called wanting, to, uh, wanting the school to place an ad in the cir circular. I would not place an ad unless she came into my office. She walked through the front doors. My mouth dropped wide open. And I couldn't keep my eyes off of her. Being the brave soul I was, not on this side, but on this side, it only took me six weeks to call her. I finally got a hold of her one night, and we talked until 2 a.m. in the morning. About a week later, I dropped by her office. I had a cantaloupe with a clown wig and makeup on it, because I was doing clowning at the time. And I put a note with the, with the cantaloupe. I asked her, can you elope tonight? It took her 15 months to say yes. Last Monday, though, we celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary. She has definitely earned a large crown of glory for putting up with me for that long. The power of prayer who, uh, who God wanted me to spend my eternal, earthly life and eternal life with as well, Kara has been an instrument in my faith growing and helping me come closer to God. Outside of God bringing Kara and her three children into my life, there are two other major events in my life that has helped me to establish my biblical worldview. The first took place in 1995, when Kara and I both went on the walk to Emmaus. The walk is a three-day Christian spiritual revival or renewal. Basically, it's a short course in Christianity. And no, we don't walk around for three days in circles, but we do eat a lot of food. And for someone like me, I love the food. The walk gives us a chance to examine where we are and where we want to grow spiritually. We discover uh, that saying we are Christians and living as Christians needs some fine-tuning. So Kara and I looked at the different areas of life that we need to make change in, such as the movies we were watching, the television shows we were seeing, and even the books we were reading. Over the course of the next several years, we started eliminating movies and television shows that we wouldn't feel comfortable with having Jesus Christ sit with us on the sofa. Programs that took programs that broke the third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, were either turned off or if we owned them and we discovered that we had them, they were thrown away. We started reading the Bible more often. 
The walk to Emmaus helped both of us grow in our Christian walk and closer as a couple. If you'd like to learn more about the walk, see either myself or Kara. There are a number of Mustang United Methodist members of this congregation that have attended, attended the walk over the last 30 plus years. There is a walk coming up in Oklahoma City in March of 2022, if anyone is interested. The second event that I would say was a life-changing happened February, one February afternoon in the year 2000. I walked into church looking for the pastor at that time, Randy Hodgins. I passed by Karen's office, popped my head in, blurted out, hey, if you ever need another adult Sunday school teacher, let me know. She replied, have you ever taught Sunday school before, and what would you teach? Well, Karen and I had taught a bunch of third and fourth graders in another church, but never adults. And also, uh, and to answer the second question, I said I would teach the Bible. Well, you know what happens after you tell Karen something? A few hours later, I got the call. And within two weeks, we were teaching what is called the gym class. The gym class was originally, for those of you who remember, was the old gymnasium that has now turned into uh, the, the youth room where all the youth activities are. It stands for God, You, and Me. We have had as many as 25 in our class and as few as, few as two or three. Right now, there is a core of about six or seven that meet weekly. Currently, we are studying the absolute basics of the Wesley Way, Wesleyan Way. Simply put, what does it mean to be Methodist? There are some exciting things that I did not realize about the Wesley boys as I did more and more study about what John and Charles started with the movement. They truly embraced living out Matthew 25, 31 through 40. They had a passion to feed those who were needy. They visited those in debtor prison. They uh, visited the sick and the lonely, and they followed Christ's command to go out into all the world. The Methodist movement today is worldwide because of how they lived out their gospel message in the 18th century. Peter responds to Jesus, yes, you are the son of God, of the living God, if you remember was on this side. But a few minutes later, Jesus foretold of his death and told that to the apostles. Peter took Jesus aside right after that and said, God forbid it, Lord, that shall never happen to you. Jesus turns around and rebukes him, saying, Satan, get away from me. Peter was trying to manipulate Jesus. Peter got out of the boat and started walking on water, the power side. <clears throat> but as, and as long as he kept his eyes on Christ, guess what? He was able to walk. But as soon as he took his eyes off Christ and put it on himself, he began to sink. Boldly, Peter told Christ at the Passover supper, again, from the power side, I will never deny you. A few hours later, he denied him not once, not twice, but three times. What does this have to do with Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40? Remember, there are, uh, the, these are, there are times that I am like Peter and will boldly share Christ with others, especially with people who have a history of being churched or a history of having accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. But among the unchurched, among those I do not know, I tend to remain quiet and, remain, and remind, remain, uh, remind God that I am slow of speech like Moses and I need an Aaron, 
to help me. There are times I'd love to assist someone with, with, uh, who is hungry or donate clothes that have shrunk because I enjoy eating too much. Visiting someone who's under the weather is easy if I discover it won't interfere with my work or family obligations. Even throwing an extra 20 in the offertory plate to help a worthy cause, or maybe even putting a few dollars in our blessing bucket, is no big deal. But when Christ tells me to do more, to trust him and to step out of the boat, and to keep my focus on him, unlike Peter who walked on water a few steps, I remain in the boat with the 11 other apostles, because I'm afraid to see if I can really walk on water. Peter denied Christ. I, can't, I, I don't ever remember personally denying Christ publicly. But when I share your number one wave with a car that cuts me off, or I get frustrated with a cashier moving too slowly, or my meal isn't prepared just right at a restaurant, or like, or like last night we had a very slow waitress, I am denying the second grace commandment as Christ told his followers. And I'm paraphrasing it. That being, love your neighbor, the person who's in that car that cuts you off, the slow cashier, the poorly prepared food, or the slow waitress, as God loves me. The good news is even with all my faults and shortcoming, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit still loves me, and I know, just like you are, my picture as your picture is, is on their refrigerator door. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.